<laughs> Might help if I have my fucking microphone up here. Nah. Yeah, I thought you were coming in a little soft. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications, drop a comment. Any comment will do. Even if it's your favorite emoji, it doesn't matter. I say this every week. <laughs> if you guys are watching during the premiere on Mondays, uh, sound off in the live chat. Sometimes I'm in there while I'm editing clips for the day or actually for the week. And, uh, you know, I pop in there. So say hello. All that kind of stuff helps me in the algorithm. If you guys are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review and actually write out why you like the show. Just just like, you know, a couple of words. It doesn't even, doesn't have to be a, a book. <laughs> could be a couple of sentences. doesn't matter. Just, you know, it, all that kind of stuff helps us in the algorithm. And if you get value from these, these episodes, then, you know, that's the least you can do. That's the least you can do. Follow me on social media. The links are in the description. I'm on all the major platforms. I'm really trying to build up my Instagram account. So if you're not following me on Instagram, give me a follow there. Links in the description. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash come on man pod. You can join these, uh, join the Patreon for as little as $10. You get these episodes, Monday ep Monday's episodes ad free. So just the interview portion without all this intro, outro stuff. Um, and then if you want some kind of coaching, uh, join tiers two or tiers three. I just had a new premium member sign up. He's, uh, he's in his sixties looking to, looking to finish out his later years with a, with a plethora of poon. <laughs> so I'm going to get him where he needs to be. Um, but if you need help like that, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash come on man pod. And yes, guys over 40 get laid too. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> Ooh, you can send a super chat, but I won't be able to read it because this isn't live. But you can feel free to send a super sticker. That will help support the show as well. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com, and I will send you some free stickers. And if you like these designs, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see what these designs look like. If you're listening on audio, come on over to YouTube one of these days and take a look at these. They're actually pretty sweet, too sweet. And um, they're also available on merch. So down below this video, if you're watching on YouTube, I've got my Teespring store linked. Um, otherwise, you can go to merch.comeonmanpod.com and all these designs are available on coffee mugs and t-shirts and hoodies and all that fun stuff too. So check that out. And then finally, check out my Practical Law of Attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. And uh, every... Every episode this week, I don't know if you guys have noticed yet, but every episode this week, I'm telling people to DM me either on Instagram or Twitter. So last Monday, I said, hey, DM me on Instagram and I will give you a 30% off code. So today on Monday, I'm going to tell you to DM me on Twitter. First five people to DM me today, it's got to be today, Monday, we'll get 30% off. I'll give you a 30% off code for my Practical Law of Attraction course it's chick crack free. It's all psychological. Uh, it's all psychology based. There's no, no genies granting wishes, no, no woo woo chakras and crystals or anything like that. Okay. It's all about reprogramming your subconscious mind so that you can achieve the goals that you want in life, no matter what they are. 
whether it's, you know, it's money, relationships, health, whatever. It all starts with your mindset, right? So check that out. LOA.comeonmanpod.com. All right. Joining me today is a, a really interesting dude. He he goes by uh, either Red Hawk or Red Pilled Hawk. Some people know him as, as either or, right? Um, he I think he prefers to be called Red Hawk, though. But uh, Red Hawk is one of those anonymous uh, anonymous red pillars, right? He doesn't like to show his face uh, out there. He has a YouTube channel, and uh, he he gets quite a bit of views on it, but uh, he doesn't show his face. So, and in this in this interview, you just see like the avatar of a, of, of a hawk <laughs> that I'm talking to. But uh, he's a really cool dude, you know. Really good insights. He's a you know he's a hunter. So we talk a lot about hunting. If you're into hunting, you'll love this episode. All right. If you're if you're a, a, a vegan and you don't you don't like the idea of hunting, maybe skip this one. <laughs> maybe skip this one. But we talk a lot about hunting and, and stuff like that and how he got into the red pill space. It's a it's a fun, fun conversation. And I will bring you this interview right after these words. Are you struggling to find a good quality woman? They are very rare indeed these days. If you spend any time at all watching content in the men's podcast space or you spend time on dating apps or going out to clubs, you're seeing low quality, promiscuous women. You're finding women with daddy issues and personality disorders or a myriad of other red flags and you are frustrated. I get it brother, but what if I were to tell you that the reason why you're only seeing these types of women is because of your mindset, because of your paradigm. We get what we focus on in life and you have trained your mind to focus on the type of women that you don't want. So those are the types of women that keep showing up for you again and again. Let's change that mindset today. If you're a guy looking to attract high quality, submissive women into your life, then I've got the perfect solution for you. And let me tell you, brother, it's all about mindset. That's right. You've got to reprogram your thinking to focus on the type of women you do want. That's where my practical law of attraction course comes in. It's packed with proven psychology-based techniques that will help you manifest your dream woman. Trust me, you won't find this stuff anywhere else. Explained in such a simple, easy-to-use way. And let me tell you, when you start using these methods, you'll be amazed at how quickly things start changing for you. Picture this, you're out on the town, feeling confident and magnetic. All the women are drawn to you like moth to a flame. And best of all, you're attracting the type of women that are submissive and high quality. It's not that they weren't there before, that you weren't aware of them before. My course will teach you how to be more hyper aware of the kind of women that you actually want. It will teach you to believe that you're the most attractive man around. And when you believe it, you'll carry yourself that way. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for my course today. Visit loa.comeonmanpod.com. That's loa.comeonmanpod.com. Start living the life you've always dreamed of. Don't miss out on this opportunity to up your game and find the woman of your dreams. The law of attraction is nothing without action. So what are you waiting for? Act now. Joining me today is a pretty cool cat or bird rather in the men's red pill space. He has a lot of insight in the areas of women and hunting. It's Red Hawk. If you're watching on YouTube, Hawk prefers to keep his anonymity, which I respect. It's a dangerous business these days. Talking about the ways of women and none of us want to get canceled. So I totally get it. That being said, what's going on, brother? Ah, not much, man. Thanks for having me on, Paul. This will be tons of fun. Yeah, you know what? This is the this isn't the first uh, sort of anonymous show <laughs> where I've, I've had a guy that like doesn't want to show their face. I, I one time had 
I've had, actually had this done twice. I had a uh, a guy who was like a you know sex guru on, and that was actually before we did the 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 like I did video. It was all audio only back then, so wasn't a big deal. But then when I when I went to go uh, actually you know show put all the stuff on YouTube, you know I didn't have his face recorded, so we couldn't show any of that. And then I one time had a doctor who was a general practitioner and he wanted to talk about sex and anatomy, but he also, he wanted to use a fake name and he didn't want his face out there because he didn't want it to impact his practice. So it's mm. like, okay, cool. So it doesn't happen very often on my show, but it, it's fine if it, if it is. So. Yeah. I don't even have remotely a cool enough uh, answer for that guy. You know I mean? I'm a trades guy, so I got no reason to protect my employment. It's just, I, I, I don't like having too much attention, you know, which is like kind of weird being on like the online space and everything like that. But, you know, funny enough, um, I got in this discussion. I mean, you'll know Kate uh, from Twitter, like who's like lurking around. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Like our people's chats and stuff like that. But she was trying to get me to uh, talk to Destiny. And I was like, no, uh, I do not need the attention of, you know, 200,000 Destiny fans um, in my life, you know, by mm -hmm. no means. And it's kind of like the same thing with the, you know, anonymity thing. You know, it's like, the, I don't need, I, I'm not so much worried about getting docs. Like I'm mostly worried about fans, man. You know, that's the biggest thing. Like having like some like spur come up to you in person or something, you know? Oh, got it. So you're kind of like a luchador in wrestling, right? They, they, whenever they're in public, they got their mask on because they also want to be able to go to the store and stuff and not be hassled by fans. Like Pretty that. much. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. I hear. So Kate wanted you to go on Destiny's show? She wanted me to talk to Destiny, yeah. You know, like uh, Kate apparently is some Destiny fanboy or something to the effect. Fan, but... fan girl. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But no, that's not my speed. No way. I've, ne I've never actually watched a Destiny show. I've only ever seen clips of like, you know, Red Meat on Twitter and stuff from that guy. I've never, I don't know what he's about. What's he about? Do you ever watch his stuff? No, I do not uh, watch too much of his stuff. He he had a really big um, stint in like political YouTube, and he basically like gave a start to all these you know um, shit lib like leftists that just go on to debate people to debate people and just argue for why they need more people's money. So yeah. no, uh, I got no interest. Um, but apparently, you know, he was the patsy for everyone to start debating like uh, like RP topics or something. I know like. Um, he went on like fresh and fit or some shit and uh, like uh, that Sneeko guy um, and stuff like that. So I guess he was the uh, person who was okay to like start debating red pill stuff for some stupid reason. Um, but he's not even like, he doesn't even consider himself like a red pill guy. Right. And he's, no. uh, he, he's in some kind of open relationship with his like only fans girlfriend or something. Right. Is that, is that, am I accurate here? I don't want to say I, inaccurate information. I know I haven't done too much uh, research into the guy just because, you know, he's just doesn't interest me too much, you know, yeah. just leftists in general just don't interest me too much. But anyway, do, do the same. Do the same. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess uh, to my knowledge, he's in like some kind of open relationship with some smoking hot Swedish chick or something like that. And I don't know. I mean, like everyone was trying to argue like, oh, this guy is like the most like RP guy possible because he's you know living in his own frame and doing his own thing. And like, yeah, that might be the case, but that doesn't mean I have to care. It doesn't mean I have to, you know, approve yeah. of what he's doing it doesn't mean i have to think about him at all so yeah, i guarantee his hot smoke show girlfriend is on the upside of that arrangement <laughs> yeah i mean i i probably agree with that too you know but but again it's just like it's just some other dude you know who's never really going to come into contact with me in my life so you yeah. know i don't need to be wasting energy um you know thinking about what he's doing 
Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so you have a YouTube channel, uh, yeah. with just over at the time of this recording at just over a thousand subscribers. And, um, and guys, if you, if you aren't subscribed to Hawk, uh, do yourself a favor. I know he doesn't want to be famous, but, uh, but subscribe to him anyway. He has a lot of good content. You also have a sub stack as well, where you blog. What's mm -hmm. more popular, your Substack or your YouTube? Hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. They're kind of like two different audiences, which is really weird. Um, like uh, uh, Substack's um, algorithm really, really likes me. Um, I mean, there, there's a whole other topic to go into this, but like um, uh, Substack definitely has a pretty balanced algorithm. It's definitely, you know, more like friendly to right wingers, you know, which is, which is pretty nice. Um, so it's pretty much run by our guys. Um, and a lot of my Substack content is not so much like RP stuff because like, to be honest, I was talking to Jack Napier about this funny enough, but it's like, um, why am I, you know, this 1000 sub like guy talk about RP stuff when we got somebody like Ryan, you know, like who just, mm -hmm. he's just going to do it better than I will, you know? So like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to be writing about, you know, RP stuff on my Substack. So I do more focused on hunting and then political stuff. I'm also, um, I run a company called um, the old glory club, uh, which is kind of like a American centric, uh, think tank organization plus news uh, stuff. And I've run that with a bunch of other guys that are in, you know, right-wing politics. And I do a lot of my Substack writing on there. And, you know, I, I write a lot about, you know, some economics and just uh, national parks and road tripping, just, you know, the beauty of America and things like that. So that's more what I focus on my uh, Substack. Um, so hunting and then like America centric things. And then on the, the YouTube channel, I mean, my main show is uh, man's hour. I run it every Thursday and we basically just talk about masculinity, masculinity issues uh, and things of that nature. And you've been a guest on there a couple of times. And um, yeah, it's it's just a fun little thing where we get to sit down for an hour and just talk about things that interest men. You know, sometimes we talk about pickup stuff. Sometimes we're talking about, you know, nerd shit, you know, all the things that we all love. Got it. OK. Yeah. Speaking of Substack and Ryan, I think it was you that talked Ryan into doing his own Substack. Yeah, he definitely asked me about it because uh, I'd been on it. I've been on Substack for over a year at this point. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I like it. Um, obviously, like the the algorithm, like I was saying, was very friendly. It's weird because uh, a lot of my most recent postings have actually been going to the company Old Glory Club. That's where most of my writing is focusing now. And I still get, you know, new subscribers on my actual, you know, site all the time. And mm -hmm. which is very interesting, you know, you, you just don't get that on, you know, other platforms like uh, Twitter or YouTube or things like that. You really have to work for them. But Substack, they do a lot of work for you, which is pretty nice. Well, that, that's interesting. You know, so you got Ryan on it and then Ryan in the uh, in our we have a, a like a private rule zero chat. Uh, he's really talking up Substack, and he he convinced uh, Rolo to start a Substack. So now Rolo has a. a yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've I've been reading like both of their posts a little bit. It really is just like the the old blogging days have somehow like come back, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a great service. Um, you know the the UI is really good. Um, and yeah, I I, I totally re recommend it. Get on Substack if you guys are interested in writing. It's it's a great place to start. You can sync it right up to your Twitter. You know, so it just tweets out everything, uh, like all your articles that you publish and stuff. So for sure. Yeah. Ryan was like, he was suggesting as a great way for content creators who are building uh, email lists and I'm trying to build an email list. And he's like, oh, this actually would be perfect for that. Cause you know, people subscribe with their emails and stuff. And, uh, but I'm just like, you know, I used to blog back in the day. I, I still have a blog. It, I don't blog on it too much anymore. If you go to Bauer powered, Bauer hyphen power.net. Um, I started that man like 18 years ago. So tech blog 
And it wow. got really popular. It got really popular. It's still to this day. I like, I almost never write on it. It still gets like a hundred thousand views a, a month. And wow. uh, I haven't written on it in like forever, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but I used to really love writing about technology and, you know, stuff I was working on and stuff like that. And, um, but as far as like dating and relationships, I, like to me, it's just much, it's much easier to make videos. So I, mm -hmm. the idea of me like doing sub stacks, I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't want another thing to do, you know, but, uh, no, I agree, I, yeah, for sure. But, 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 you know, Ryan like really likes it right now. So he's, he's talking it up. I might do it someday. Cause I do listen to Ryan. Like Ryan's a fucking smart dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of the best we have for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, that's like the being able to be on rule zero and actually like be behind the scenes and, and, and just get in the ears and the minds of these guys is just mm -hmm. such a great opportunity. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I mean, you feel stupid talking to these dudes, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude yeah, talk all to the time. Have, have a conversation with Paul Benjamin sometime. Jesus Christ. That dude, mm -hmm. <laughs> that dude is smart, man. Uh, let's see here. What made you decide to start, uh, both the Substack and your YouTube channel. I know you said they're different topics, but like what made mm -hmm. you decide to start writing? What made you decide to start making uh, videos and podcasting? Hmm. It's, uh, I guess you'd call it like right place at right time and just, you know, kind of like saying fuck it and I'm going to go and do it. Um, I I was like a, always like a, an internet lurker. Like I was uh, online on like political right wing circles for a very long time. And then I really got my start on a friend of mine. His name is a uh, academic agent who Ryan went on his channel and it, it, uh, it didn't go very well, but that's besides the point. Um, I got my start on his channel cause I was a member of his audience for a long time. And he had me on his show back in June of 21. Um, mm. and that's like where I got my real start and I was making like side appearances on, you know, his show for about like a year. And then I started my own show. Um, well I started my Substack in March of 22, is when I started it and then I started my YouTube in June of 22 and mm. it was just kind of like slowly building up like an online presence um like building up like a, a Twitter following um I, I originally went on his show to talk about like intersexual dynamics and red pill stuff because he was like reaching this topic and it was uh like flaring up in like right-wing circles and things like that not not like in the gay way it is now like with everybody getting on like that uh whatever podcast or whatever's going on and like all the conservative ink types are over there yeah. um but yeah, so that's where it got my start. Enough people liked it. Um, I started appearing more regularly. I started my own thing um, because people in that corner of the internet just weren't talking about like red pill stuff and also just weren't talking about hunting, which is like my other really big love. And I just see that nobody's talking some about this. questions about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like nobody else is talking about this. So it might as well be me. And then I figured like, yeah, you know, I could do this. I could do this YouTube thing. I could do a show like once a week and go for an hour, just talk to cool people and have the conversations that I want to have and just see where it goes. You know, I mean, it's nice to make a little bit of money on the side with it too. You know, who, whoever mm -hmm. said that was a bad thing. So yeah, I just kind of like stumbled into it and I just really liked doing it and I just kept doing it. So I kept making more videos and kept having more people on and kept writing more. And basically we're just going to ride this out for however long I please, you know? Yeah. Tell it, tell us it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you, you talk about how you were a guest and you were like, I could do this. I, you know, it's funny because years ago I used to have a, a tech show. I used to have a tech show on YouTube called Tech Chop. And it became a chore that that show became a, such a chore uh, to do that. I finally just, you know, gave it up. But um, I used to have my, my own YouTube show doing that. And uh, my son 
would sit there and watch these just the dumbest ass. You know, like, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you have kids or not, but, uh, but kids love to watch just the dumbest shit online. Right. And my son's watching these dumb YouTube channels of, you know, guys doing like dumb pranks or they're, you know, they're, they're unboxing dumb stuff or they're, you know, just playing video games and, and just talking about video games. And, uh, you know, and, and I know Ryan does that, but, um, but yeah, it's like, for me, I'm just sitting there watching it going like, why are you watching this stuff? Like what, what fascinates you about like this particular show and stuff? And my son's like, I don't know. It's cool. And I, go, and I, I told him, I go, you know, you could do this. You could do this. And he was like shocked. I could have my own YouTube channel. I'm like, yeah, like literally anybody can. And so we, we did a show for him for a while on, on YouTube and we just went around. He was just doing kids stuff, you know, like jumping mm -hmm. his bike and we were building, you know, ramps in the yard and stuff. And we made like whole videos on like how to build bike ramps. And it was, it was a, a fun thing for a while. And we finally stopped doing it once I handed him the reins and I was like, look, you got to do your own video editing and, and come up with your own ideas. And, and then, it, you know, what, what dad stopped uh, being the producer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the show in a way, but uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. I, I love Streamyard though, because this this, this sort oh, of yeah. thing makes it so much easier. You know, it's oh yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into you know uh, the podcasting sphere and the editing and everything like that. You know, it, yeah. people would be really surprised like how much work it really does entail. You know, it, it you have to treat this like a job, otherwise you're never going to do it. And that's like one of the things I set out for myself when I first started. And I was like, okay, like if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do it half-assed. You know, so I just I set up one time, like one day a week. I was like, okay, this is this is the this chunk of time where I'm streaming. That's it. This is what I'm having the show. I have to do it. I'm not taking breaks. Um, and it's kept me pretty straight and narrow, and that's been steady growth. You know, which which is a good thing. And, and that's what I set out to do with it. You know, I, yeah. I had to. I knew I had to take it seriously. Otherwise, I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, if you guys are are, are watching right now, you've been thinking about doing your own podcast. Uh, the biggest thing that most podcasters will tell you is to be consistent. Uh, cause and, and also like niche down as much as you can at when you first start. Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of people, they want to have a, uh, a Joe Rogan type podcast where they just talk about anything and everything and whatever comes like, no one wants to tune into that. Uh, yeah. for one. And then two, uh, people just sort of do it whenever they have time. And it's like, no one's tuning in for that shit either. You know, like if mm -hmm. you, if you go every, what, what you said, Thursdays, you do your, yeah. Yeah. Every Thursday, you know, like clockwork, Red Hawk is doing a show like you're more apt to tune into it. You just mm -hmm. are. So, yeah, smart, smart way to go. What? So what was the name of that guy's show? You said you were a guest on for a while. Academic Agent is his name. Yeah. Academic Agent. Mm -hmm. uh, and you said that Ryan went on the show and it didn't go well. What happened with that? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't go very well. Um, <laughs> it. There, there's a lot of stuff to uh, go down here, but I, I guess the first thing would be like uh, they they started. Um, it, it's interesting for me being in like you know quote unquote like manosphere circles and then in like dissonant right circles, you know, yeah. and I kind of like have a cross between the two of them. And interestingly enough, like uh, Ryan's tweets, you know, because I was like between them, ended up getting on AA's timeline, um, and they were like kind of throwing exchanges back and forth to each other. And then it eventually went down. I was like, hey, you know, you should really talk to this guy. Like I'm talking to AA, referring to Ryan. I was like, yeah, Ryan's really, really smart, dude. He's one of the best that we have. And then mm. eventually they got on a stream uh, together and, you know, they really didn't do research on each other as like which other person was. I don't know if they really chatted too much in the DMs or anything, but like the conversation they were talking about, you know, there were just two personalities that didn't mesh very well uh, together. 
you know, like, uh, you know how Ryan is like, he's very like jokey and he's like laughing all the time and stuff. And it's like, yeah, AA is just a total like straight face man. You know, like he's just, he's just not a joke. Was he like taking offense to Ryan? Cause Ryan uh, can be sort of cynical and condescending, you know? Yeah, but if, but if you I, understand that's his personality, you also exactly. realize that he's not he doesn't mean anything by it. No, so. that's that that definitely was like a bit of what was going on um for sure and it, it was funny watching like a couple of our guys like Rob and everyone was like in the chat, you know, just like laughing his ass off, you know, looking at the spurgery going on in the comment section and everything, but yeah. You know, it, so it didn't go super well. Um, you know, I think they left on amicable terms. At least I hope they did, but you know, it just wasn't the best conversation it could have gone way better but yeah know. i hear you okay yeah, yeah that's funny yeah i mean the it's funny the first time i had uh ryan on the show i don't know like the, ryan um i don't think he knew that much about me at the time he had he had seen like all my he was seeing my like my tiktoks because i put i repost my tiktoks on twitter mm -hmm. and I, I remember i i hopped on to one of his uh digital ryan streams and mm. I was just in the chat chatting and he's like, oh, come on, man, podcast. He's like, I see your stuff all the time. He goes, he's like, I'm going to be honest, man. Like your videos are cringy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so when I had him on the show, I asked him about that. I was like, what, what about my videos are cringy? And I, and I was, it didn't take offense to it, but I was actually, I, I like to get positive feedback. And Ryan's like, oh, you know, I'm just, he's like, I just, you know, all the stuff I say online is like top of the funnel shit. Like, don't, yeah. don't take any, <laughs> don't, don't yeah. take it seriously. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So one thing I like to ask other guys in the red pill space is, um, who hurt you? Who, nah. who, who hurt you, Hawk? <laughs> ah, I mean, you know, I guess, um, weirdly enough, like, uh, everyone's got these, like, you know, Ryan says the Batman origin story, you know, and everything like this. How'd you get into the space? Well, uh, I guess I I'm kind of unique in the fact, well, I wouldn't say too unique, but, you know, a lot of guys will say, like, oh, they got, like, red pill by, like, an ex or something, but, like, I don't know, I kind of got red pilled by my parents. They had a nasty-ass divorce when I was 16, 17 years old. Um, and I think just, Ryan, Ryan had a similar situation. He got sort of red pilled through his mom's experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like, I won't go into too much details here on it, but it was just a, a complete shit show. And I, uh, I bailed, uh, out of the house and moved halfway across the country, uh, to go to college just because I wanted to get away from it all there. And I ended up, one of my roommates just ended up being one of the, an absolute fucking player. He slayed like crazy. You know, he's a good looking dude. He was like six, two jacked you know and just was pounding pussy all the time um and i ended up just picking up a bunch of stuff from him basically when i started because like you know i mean i, I grew up as you know a millennial guy who didn't get too much instruction on you know how to court women properly you know so i was kind of lost and i just ended up picking stuff up from him and then eventually like what really made it click for me you know like everything 100 i picked up rollo's book and i forget at what point like i i picked it up it had to been like in the late 2010s um you know if i if i really thought about it i'd probably sit down and find out when i first got my hands on it but that was really when i like you know got switched on to like the rp space itself and a lot more things like made sense because like i was already picking up some of these things like from from my buddy and everything like this but then i read rollo's book it's like oh so that's why he does this and that's why this works and shit like that so did your uh did your friend like study any of this stuff or was he just like a natural? Um 
I wouldn't say he was like um, like a born natural, but he definitely had some things going for him. This is something that I've talked about uh, with other guys with. I feel like a lot of guys who are, you know, like, quote unquote, more like born natural in this space, they had older brothers. And um, the, my buddy, he did have an older brother. It's just something I'm picking up from a lot of these guys that just, you know, were like your, you know, jock types in high school. The guys were like, you know, top of the hierarchy football team kind of stuff. Like they tended to get a lot of that like masculine socialization from their brothers at a younger age. And it put them like light years ahead of their peers. You know, it's just something that I've been picking up on and I haven't been disproven of this yet. So I'm running with it. Mm. That's a good, that's a good running theory. I was like the opposite. Like if you ever met my older brother, my brother's, my older brother is a total fucking incel, you know, he, mm. and he really is. He's a legit incel. He's like, and he's, but he's one of those guys that, you know, he's like a MGTOW that doesn't, oh, right. doesn't sit around online bitching about. Yeah. Women. Not one of the Spurs, one of the actual ones. No, yeah. like he, he's actually out, you know, he, he owns a lot of land. He, he works, he saves a lot of money. And just does things that he likes to do. He lives like an actual homeless person. He lives in a, a fucking camper shell. But he's he he must have he must easily have a cool million dollars in, in the bank right now, hmm. just because he he has very low overhead. Just lives like extreme minimalistically and just saves all of his money. And then he he goes and and, and acquires property and he does stuff like um, they have this thing in Colorado. I don't know, and they might have it in other states too. But if you if you look up properties around you and this might be something for the audience to look up too. Uh, if you look up at properties, especially in Colorado, there's properties where people haven't paid the back taxes on the property in so long that if you go into the County office and you pay all the back taxes on that, um, after a certain amount of time, the owner of the property, they, the, the, the County will give the owner of the property a certain amount of time to pay you back. Huh. Right. Like they owe you that money. And if they don't pay you back, the, the county will award you that property. Huh. Interesting. So you you can get property for like like really cheap doing this mm -hmm. method. You can look it up. It's totally legal. My brother's acquired like all sorts of property in the state doing that. And he and if you saw him, you wouldn't you he just looks like an absolute homeless person, you know, like he has bad hygiene. He's like, he's gotta be 400 pounds overweight he's like six two he's bald but he grows his hair out long <laughs> he's got long like woolly beard and stuff it just just like you would <laughs> like if you if, if we stood next to each other you wouldn't think that he was my brother at all hmm. but uh so i didn't learn anything about women from him uh but i was always like in high school and like i always had girlfriends like all through elementary school all the way up through high school like i had a sort of a shitty period in in junior high when i used to wear glasses but in high school did great with with girls but my problem was that uh i was like i was a, a total blue pilled simp you know like once i got into a relationship like i was putting these girls on pedestals and just really trying too hard and you know mm -hmm. eventually just you know, became an unattractive person to be with and things didn't work out. And, uh, it, like I rushed to my first marriage, uh, that didn't work out well when I ended up on the dating circuit the first time I've told this story a hundred times on the podcast. Like I was a fat fuck, you know, and, and I had been out of practice for 15 years. <laughs> so mm. I had no idea. What, I like, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing when it came to talking to girls. I had to like relearn all this stuff, like, it, you know, in my mid thirties up into my forties and stuff. So, hmm. uh, it's kind of cool that you got some experience with, uh, with like your roommate, you know? Doing yeah. That. Yeah. It was, 
it was wild uh to be honest you know it was just it, it just like flipped the book on its head of like everything you're taught like you're supposed to do it's like oh you gotta be really nice and gotta um you know uh dress really nice and take them out to expensive first date and take them out to a dinner and go to a movie or something and my buddy yeah. just wasn't doing any of that he just go to a house party on the weekend come back with a girl I'm like what the fuck how do you do this you know yeah. it, was, it was totally bizarre uh to me because i'm like trying to sit there be really really friendly you know and be uh super nice and sweet and everything and like uh there was at least like a couple times like my freshman year in college when I was like, you know, in like a, a situation, I guess you'd say with like one of these girls, you know, like be taking her around and doing some like cutesy kind of shit. And then like the very next day, she's like over there banging chat or some shit. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, but yeah. it's you learn way more from your failures than your successes in this game for sure. So, you know, like taking those beatings, you know, just absolutely helped for sure. Like to where yeah. I am now. There were some guys, uh, now if I think back to the, to my Navy days, there were some guys in my, my division that were just absolute fucking players. There's this guy, Sovis, um, uh, shout out to Sovis. Sovis was like six, three, just fucking ripped, you know, Adonis, you know what I mean? Like he, anywhere he would go, he had just like the hottest chicks at every port we went to hottest chicks. He was dating like strippers in town and stuff. And, um, I just, I was married. Like I, I, I was a dumbass and got married my second year in. So, uh, if mm. I, if I could have done it over again, I probably would have spent more time hanging out with Sovis, probably learning, learning some game back then. But I, I, I was the, I was the good boy. I was, I was, I was trying to try to go for that white picket fence. So I was rushing yeah. to get married and I, I got married at 20 years old. Just, just dumb, you know, like mm. <laughs> just dumb. So, so you mentioned, um, Hanging out with this friend. You said you did uh, read Rolo's book. Have you have mm-hmm. you read any other books in the space? Um, let's see. Um, where's some other ones? I mean, I read like um a lot of Chateau Hartiste. Um, uh, a mm-hmm. lot of that old stuff. Um, it got conglomerated into a book, like like two volumes on game. Um, you know, obviously read parts of that. Um, I read. I know, a, I know Fort Worth Playboy uh, compiled a lot of that into a book. Yeah, yeah, I know he's um, uh, he's big on that for sure. He's he's a really old school like a Chateau Hartis guy. And funny enough, like there's there's a huge overlap with a lot of like um, like dissonant right thinkers and like old, old Chateau Hartis stuff. It's it's very interesting. You know, like um, there's a lot of people that found folks like Bronze Age pervert through like old Chateau Artista blogs. Bronze Age pervert, who's that? Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's kind of like a bit. Uh, I'm actually covering him. Well, at the time of the recording, it's not covering him on my show tomorrow, but he's a big um, you know, thinker in like quote unquote like dissident right circles. You know, like uh, okay. And that's that's a, it's a sphere of like uh, politics and things like that. But yeah, Bronze Age pervert uh, is his name, and he's <laughs> he's kind of like one of these like uh, Nietzschean like uh, vitalists kind of guys. Okay. Um, you know, he, he talks up a lot of like um, like old Greek uh, warriors and things like that. He's he's like similar in the vein of somebody like Jack Donovan, though not gay. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So all right, yeah, that's fascinating. You know, speaking of uh, of like right. I, I try not to get into politics too much on the show, but uh, mm. speaking of like right, right wing stuff, I used to run a, uh, I used to run a, a, a political Facebook page that also had a, a political Twitter account associated with it. It was called Mainwashed. Um, hmm. I, I had that for a very long time. I used to, I used to be really heavily into politics. My, my parents, my, my mom still is like, she, she uh, volunteers for the local Republican party. I met hmm. Lauren Boebert a couple of times. Um, mm. Wood. Yeah. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. 
Dude, she's tiny, man. She's 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 short as hell too. I think I think Rob might actually be taller than her. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I used to be like really into politics, and I I used to just really be like emotionally invested in politics. And my family would watch, you know, like the news. Like most most you know most families watch like Sunday night football. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we were super into politics, but I I took a step back from politics back in like 2020. You know, I just realized it just wasn't so good for my mental health. A lot of the stuff that we we fight about online is is just dumb social issues that have no actual impact on on most people. And so I, I I'm still I still consider myself right wing, but uh, I just I just don't focus on it so much anymore. No, yeah, it's it's definitely very like unhealthy to be like crazy obsessed with like the everyday goings on like with the news. Yeah. Um, because like, but, but number one, it's all curated, you know, from, from both sides, you know, to designed, you know, for you to focus on certain things that they want you to focus on at this time. So you're already being manipulated in that regard. And basically like, once you have like your core ideas established and what you do and don't believe in, like kind of like this space, you know, like get in, get out, like, use what's useful to you and that's it. But no, you don't want to be like doom scrolling, like through Twitter all the time. I mean, yeah. I do a very good job of, you know, managing my Twitter feed in such a way that, you know, it's just not infested with, you know, too much political stuff all the time, like the day and day things, you know, I'm much more interested into like the philosophy behind ideas as opposed to like, oh, let's lower tax rates or something stupid that, you know, some politician is trying to say today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, a, I think that's a smarter way of going about it. <laughs> uh, shifting gears here. Why, uh, why Hawk? Why Red Hawk? Um, funny enough, this is a, um, it's a name I've had basically since I, God, when did I get it? Maybe, maybe when I was like four or five years old. Um, and I've just had this name pretty much my entire life as a pseudonym in the sense of whenever like my family, um, we would always do this whenever like we go on like a hunting trip or a fishing trip or something, like all the guys just had a name, you know, you just, you, you just had a name assigned to you. You know, you're like, Oh, you're, uh, you're Red Hawk, you're, you're Fox, you're Frog, you are your Sidewinder, you know, like wh whatever you are. And it was just like one of those like bonding, uh, like exercise of things like in male spaces uh, that you just had. And yeah, okay, this is your name. So you get it now. And when you're in like one of these all male spaces, you know, when somebody, you know, screams you from across the room to go like pour the beer or the drinks for the older men in the room, you know, it's like, get over here, Red Hawk, you know, and, and get to work. Um, So it's, it's just been a name I've had for a very, very long time. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I was, I was curious about that. Speaking of animals, let's, uh let's talk about hunting a little bit. <clears throat> Yeah, my my other bread and butter for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you've hunted all over the world, right? I saw on your Substack you hunted in Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, that was one of my first trips um, abroad for a hunting trip. I was I was a young man at the time, and I got taken along with um, my grandfather and my dad and a couple other guys, and um, they were just out there on their first African safari, and they were looking to shoot um, Cape buffalo and leopard. Um, and we were in Zimbabwe for like 10 days, uh, something like that. And then a couple of years after that, maybe five or six years later, they took another safari out to Tanzania and Kenya. And I went out there for that one as well. But yeah, it's just, it, it was never something I was not going to do. You know, like I just grew up in a family of hunters. Every single man in my family, you know, uh, got excited for deer season. They went outside, they got up at the crack of dawn. They uh, went and shot something, killed it, mounted it on their wall and served it up on a silver platter for dinner. 
you know, it was just, it, it never came into my mind once, you know, growing up. It's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do this. Like, oh yeah, when you're old enough, you'll come when you're, when you're old enough, your time will come. And basically that was it. So we ended up taking this trip. This was back in 2003, 2004, uh, something like that. Um, so we were down in Zimbabwe and yeah, that was, that was a very, very, you know, interesting hunt for sure. A lot, lot of fun, a lot of memories. Um, so with that, so my cousin, my cousin just went and did a, uh, an African hunt. I don't know where the, where he was at. Um, but he went, he went, I want to say a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. He, he won't shut up. He won't shut the fuck up about it. But. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to. Yeah. 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 Like he, for, for a while, he was just like, like he would take a picture of the sunset and be like, this reminds me of my African hunt. Yeah. Like I mean, shut the fuck <laughs> up, dude. No one cares. But he, <laughs> Uh, but he was telling me about it. We uh, we do this annual fence fixing thing where we go up to uh, we have property up in in uh, Craig, Colorado. We have family property up there. We go up there every year to to fix the fence line and camp out. It's a great time. And so he was up there and he was talking about it. And he was saying that uh, what they basically had to do is uh, they went to like a, a preserve and they mm-hmm. had to uh, they had a, they paid a fee and everything was sort of like taken care of. And oh, yeah. they were almost like guaranteed an animal of some kind. And they went out and they shot like various animals like every day. Mm-hmm. And then that night they were fed that animal that they shot. And yep. then whatever was left over was given to some local tribe. Was that the situation? Yeah, that's um, that's generally how it's basically been going since around like the 80s and the 90s. Um, it's not like in uh, America is very unique. In the sense of uh, number one, our conservation. I mean, Americans basically invented conservation. You know, like with, with folks like Teddy Roosevelt and stuff. But that's a different topic. But in America, uh, you could basically just walk into any Dick's Sporting Goods and buy a hunting tag and write at the register for like twenty five bucks. Um, and in Colorado, I don't know if it's like this. And uh, you're well, you're in Texas, right? I'm in. I'm on the East Coast. You're yeah. on the East Coast. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. let's keep it vague. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're on the East Coast. So in Colorado, you have to have a, a hunter safety card at least before mm-hmm. you can go and get uh, any kind of big, big game. Is it like that out there? No, not for me. Um, I did end up taking one though when I was a kid. It's just, you know, something you did. But uh, you got to check your state. Some of them require them, some of them don't. Typically, this goes across like blue versus red lines. Like the blue states are more restrictive and the red states, like, yeah, just go walk outside and shoot something. Well, uh, that's generally how it goes. But yeah, what you're describing is basically like an outfitter. And that's how they do do these kinds of hunts um, throughout America for, you know, your really big game species like your moose and your elk and your bears. Um, They will do these outfitter things. And basically what you do is so I'll use Africa as an example. So basically the entire continent, they don't have these kinds of like free range uh, hunting that we do in the United States. Number one, because animals are so like uh, we have a large plethora of them here in the United States, you know, because we do a good job of conserving them and managing them. But in Africa, when you don't have like the strong central government that's managing over all these animals, it you can't just walk outside and shoot one like they're technically all owned by the state. So what they do in order to make money is they'll basically have sections of land that's either fenced in or not um, like the hundreds upon hundreds of miles of these game preserves. And they license them out to professional hunters, to professional hunting outfitters. And you basically have a set amount of land that you're allowed to work in, usually hundreds of square miles because these reserves are massive. Um, and you're like, okay, you're, this outfitter is allowed to hunt in this area. And you're allowed to take X amount of certain animals from this area every single year. And this is the price that the government sets. And basically that's what happens. you know. So like a client from overseas is going to pay this outfitter 
you know, okay, I want to hunt X, Y, Z things. And the professional hunter is like, oh, okay, well, we have a couple open spots available for this because we've shot X amount of these already. So you're allowed to take, you know, X of whatever you want to shoot. And then the outfitter is going to be like, oh, okay, well, if you want to shoot like 15 animals, that's going to take you like well over a month to do. And sometimes guys will stay out there for multiple months, you know, at a time, depending on what they want and how much money they have. And maybe you only want to shoot a couple of things. So you're only there for a couple of days, but yeah, they basically take care of everything for you. They feed you with everything you kill. Um, they'll take care of any firearms um, that you do or don't have, you know, so that they will uh, skin your trophies for you. Um, so you can send them back to the States to get it all taxidermied up. Yeah. So there's plenty of options for you. And I would absolutely recommend that. And if you're looking to get into this, um, like hunting abroad, a good place to start is a website that uh, Jim Shockey runs. It's called book your hunt. Um, dot com. Just go check out uh, book your hunt and you can just, it's basically just like a Google search and you just Google like, Oh, I want to hunt in this country or I want to hunt this animal and you can uh, change it by pricing. Also look into the company Safari club international SCI. Um, they have a big convention every single year out in uh, Vegas or Reno, Nevada. It's usually in like uh, February uh, or January. And it's a huge ass convention and guys from all over the world are there uh, to basically just sell you on these kinds of hunts. So if that's what you're looking into, uh, go for it. That's that's your best place to start with like these big out outfitter ones. I'll put I'll put links to these in the description for this. That's a, that's good information. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny going going back to like uh, the states and like hunter safety. I, I just remember when I was a kid, like I I had to go. My dad took my brother and I both to go get our hunter safety cards when we were like man, maybe I, I think I might've been like 11 or 12 or something like that. And then in, in Colorado, you can, you can do small game hunting. As long as you have your, your hunter safety card, you can do small game hunting up until, you know, basically as long as you have that card forever. And then you have to be at least 14 to go big game hunting and big game is like deer, elk, bear, you know, stuff like that out here. And um, yeah. So like I, I got my hunter safety card and uh, I went up to the family field, you know, where we go and do the fence fixing. That's pretty much like where we've always hunted and, you know, went up there uh, and I had a 22 rifle and I was out there shooting rabbits while my brother and my dad were shooting deer and elk and my cousins <laughs> were shooting deer and elk and stuff like that. And then when I was finally old enough to go deer and elk hunting, I went and did that when I was a teenager, but I haven't, I haven't done big game hunting since then. Uh, but I like back in 2015 it was the last time I actually did any kind of hunting. And I went, I went rabbit hunting again with my dad. And mm. we went up to went up to the family family field to do that. that is, it's a good place to do it. And we've also uh, we're talking about outfitters. My grandparents, uh, when they still own the property, they used to uh, lease their land to outfitters up there. Oh, cool. So there was like there was a man, maybe a good decade where we weren't even allowed to go up there during during the the hunting seasons because oh, I'm they, sure yeah, they had leased, solid. Yeah. yeah, they they had leased it out to the to the outfitters. And so the outfitters wanted the property and that whole area really got pretty well hunted out because of all the, all the ranchers were doing that. They were all like leasing their land out to outfitters. And so they were bringing all the Californians in to, to, to hunt, you know, elk and deer. And so now uh, if you go out there, there's a shitload of antelope, but there's mm. not as much deer and elk as there was when I was a kid, which is unfortunate. So uh, a lot of the ranchers stopped outfitting because there's just not, 
there's no deer and elk and their and their clients weren't getting any anymore. So hopefully that the the population can can come back and we can start seeing that again. Yeah, yeah. There there's a bunch of organizations that are looking to reintroduce um a lot of like animals to their historic ranges. You know, like um there's now elk seasons now held as far east as like a ten uh Pennsylvania and Tennessee. Um they yeah. have stable enough populations now for people to go hunt them. So yeah, it's it's an ongoing process, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to, um, you know, head out west and shoot a couple uh, big game. I, I've never shot an elk and I've never shot an antelope. So those those are both on my list um, at some point um, I've to had, take out. I've had mixed reviews about the antelope. So I've, uh, I have a friend that uh, this gal that I went to high school with, her and her husband live up uh, up in Craig and they they go antelope hunting and they love it. They, they think mm -hmm. it's great. And then my cousin's like, no, it tastes like mutton's disgusting. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, yeah. I've never had antelope. I don't know. But I love deer and elk. Like uh, venison's delicious. Elk oh, yeah, they taste so good. Are, are so good. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that stuff, man. Um, yeah. And if you've never experienced it before, like any guy in the chat listening, like when you take a bite out of something that you know came from the woods, it just immediately tastes different. Like you can... You can honestly like feel like the nutrients just enter your system the media, uh, the second you take a bite out of it. It's not like anything you're ever going to get in a grocery store, yeah, not by a mile. Like if, if you ever hear the term gamey, it's gamey tasting. Like it, yeah, wild animal tastes different, but it's good. It's a good mm -hmm. taste. Yeah. yeah. I, I liked it. I, I, I love that stuff. But uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone hunting in, in so long. It really just like it doesn't. I, I For me, like um, I just like to. I'd much rather just go camping, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I don't like, I don't like, uh, you know, dressing the animal and skinning it and then doing all the work, but they, they do yeah. have, they do have processing around here. So mm -hmm. I could go, I could, I could, you know, you know, clean it out there and then bring it to a processor like that. Yeah. I could be, I could be a, you know, a, a, like a rich Californian. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> honestly that that's honestly, that's how I do it. Mostly at this point, like I'll, yeah. I'll feel, I'll feel dress, whatever I kill just to get like all the guts and shit out of it, you know, yeah. and then just put it in the back of my truck and haul it over to a butcher because number one, like any of the work that I do on this thing is not going to be as good as what he does, you know, and I've got a, a butcher that my family has used for a really long time. You know, so I just like sending it over to him. He knows uh, what parts of the game I really like. Um, and that's that's all there is to it. It just makes the process so much easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I uh, there was there's a, a gal that I used to date and she was on the podcast back when I first started the podcast. Um, uh, Marine Corps chick, Marine Corps chick and her family had some property and she she and her mom would actually do outfitting. Hmm. Uh, so she would actually like go out for, you know, uh, you know, a week or a couple weeks at a time and like take rich Californians out and call in, call in elk. And, you know, she would do the bugling <laughs> for, for these guys so that they could shoot an elk and stuff like that. It was kind of fun. Mm. Um, so have you, so you, you, you've hunted in, in Africa. Have you hunted anywhere else, uh, any other kind of country? No, just all over the States. Um, aside from, uh, from Africa, um, I'd like to do like some like Canada stuff at some point. Um, you know, like, uh, maybe she'd like a caribou or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, I've got, it, it, when I was, um, when I was a, a white collar guy, I was in the uh, white collar work in the mortgage industry uh, for a couple of years. This is five or six years ago now. And uh, when I would have like clock watching time, cause I just hated my job so much. I would just like take pages upon pages of notes, like in a journal of like, Oh, okay, here's, here's an outfitter I can go through. Here's the stuff I need. Um, here's when I could do it, like what time of year and things like this. I just have pages of things that I want to shoot because it's like, Oh, okay. My work's done, but the, the boomers got to keep me, uh, in the office for eight hours. So 
no, might as well uh, find something to do with my time. But yeah, I mean, I, I want to head out all over the place, you know, and um, there's, there's like nothing, uh, there's nothing on this earth that like, <laughs> that I don't want to shoot and, and taste, you know, it's just, I'm just obsessed about it, you know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you kind of do like uh, when you grew up the way I did and like, you know, just people going around, like everybody, you know, is just traveling somewhere. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to go to New Zealand. Oh, I'm going to go to Africa. Oh, I'm going to go to Canada. Oh, I'm going out uh, West. Oh, I'm going down South, you know, like wherever, you know, just, there was just always somebody who was on a trip somewhere shooting something. It's like, Oh, okay. I want to do that too. Um, but yeah, Got it's, it. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's an entire lifetime uh, ahead of me. Uh, looking forward to um, hunting a bunch of stuff. So it's funny. You, you mentioned how the boomers need to keep you there for eight hours. I, what came to my mind is, uh, have you ever read the book, uh, the four hour work week? No, I am familiar <laughs> with the premise though, but I haven't read the book. Yeah, dude. I, that book's a, a great book. I, I recommend it to anybody that to, to read it. But one of the, the ideas in that book is that a good majority of your time at work is just fluff. It's, it's fucking busy work. It's just because, you know, we've set up the system where you're there for, for 40 hours a week, you're there for eight hours a day, but most of the shit you do is like water cooler time. You're just, mm -hmm. you know, just looking at your screen, like fucking around with spreadsheets just to look busy, you know, but, but your actual work, you're probably only doing about four hours a week. And, oh yeah. yeah I a hundred percent believe that. And yeah. so, so the, the book just gives you a strategy on how to basically convince your boss that you should work from home. And hmm. then if you work from home, uh, then it's, it talks about like how to prioritize your day so that you're knocking out the, the, the four hours of real work that you're, you're, you're actually delivering on and how to make your boss think that you're doing all this stuff so that you can work on side projects. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> That's, that's, that's such a good idea. I mean, uh, I got a buddy yeah. who's doing this right now. Uh, I was actually just down visiting him a couple of weeks ago down in Tampa and he does yeah. the exact same thing. Like he, he works from home. He has two jobs that he works from home with. Yeah. He basically only does like four hours of work a day. And then they all, all the rest of the time he's out on the beach, he's out in the gym, you know, like, uh, and it's crazy because he's just raking in all this kind of money and, and neither of the two jobs know about the other one. Right. You know? I mean, yeah, not unless they got a hold of his taxes, but you know, who the fuck's going to do that? Yeah. So. In, in most employers, and I can tell you, cause I'm a, uh, you know, I, I manage people like, as, and I tell my guys like, Hey, look, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. As long as you're delivering on the work, I ask you to do whatever the fuck you want. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, and I, I work remotely. I've been working remotely since 2013. And, uh, Lucky. so, hmm. you know, it's, it's like, as long as I'm, I'm doing my stuff, my, my boss doesn't care, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah it's a, i highly recommend it to people to, to read that book because it, it will actually get you at, like it could get you out of the rat rat race for sure mm. um going back to hunting though uh what's the most like exotic animal that you've shot oh um i have an answer for this so i shot something that is extinct in the wild and only exists on private game reserves and i shot it's called a scimitar horned oryx i shot one down in texas outside of San Antonio on a, on a big hunting ranch down there. I'm actually trying to organize um, a hunt down there at some point, either this fall or into next year with a bunch of our guys, like uh, the masculine geek guys, and everything like this. They want to go hunt wild boars. I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I got the guys for us, man. So I, I did a hunt down there with them as well, where we hunted wild boars with, uh, you send out dogs after them and then you go in with knives and you like stab the boar. It was, it was very, very, very oh, that's epic cool. hunt. Yeah. But 
yeah, uh, guys in the chat can Google this thing, like a scimitar horned oryx. It's very unique looking, um, and they basically were hunted to extinction in the wilds uh, in Africa during a bunch of civil wars, and they only exist on these like private game reserves now throughout the United States. And Texas is very unique in this regard because uh, the state allows that the second an animal crosses your property line, it's considered your private property. Um, you know, even like a wild one, you know, as soon as it's on your land, which is very, very unique. So a bunch of these guys have basically just set up private game reserves on hundred thousand, you know, acre ranches, uh, out in Texas, and they would just ship in surplus animals from zoos basically. And, uh, they would just have these giant game reserves and people would go on uh, hunts for them basically without, you know, having to travel overseas for it. So mm. it's, it's something you can look into if that uh, floats your boat, if, um, if you get into issues with like hunter ethics about the fact that like it's fenced in territory, even though like the it's a hundred thousand acres. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The home range, this animal is never going to walk from one edge of the fence to the other in its entire life. But you know, some people are a little wooey about it, which is fine. You know, that's some people don't like the idea of just like hunting in general, but like what, 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 you know, people don't realize is that if you don't have these hunts, then these animals do get overpopulated. Then they start starving to death. Then they start dying. There mm -hmm. was a, there was a whole issue. My grandma was telling me like back in the man, I don't know, maybe the sixties or seventies. And I might have the dates totally messed up. So don't quote me on this, but she was telling me that there was like this area in Colorado that they like banned hunting. And mm -hmm. what they they ended up having like a problem with like overpopulation of the deer and the deer started dying and the town started stinking from all these carcasses and stuff. And so mm -hmm. they had to bring back hunting to sort of just keep the population in check. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's obviously something you got to deal with because, you know, uh, America being a uh, dangerous country with a lot of natural predators here. We decided to hunt all those so we could actually establish our cities and live peaceably without having bears and cougars and wolves, you know, eating us every time we walked outside. And so lo and behold, all their prey animals uh, without any predators just grew out of control. I mean, you know, if, how many times have you seen like a shitty TikTok video of like a mule deer eating out of somebody's bird feeder in their front yard or Dude, something? They're, you know, the, they're the, everywhere. The, the deer, uh, the deer are like fucking rats up, up mm -hmm. in the town north of me in uh, Cedar Edge, Colorado. There's like I, I had a house. I lived there for for quite a while, and uh, now like deer were in my yard like on a daily. They're like fucking rats. They're shit in my yard. My dog used to like to go out there rolling all the deer shit, <laughs> and it was like uh, at night. Sometimes the deer would get hit by cars and then like stumble oh, yeah. into my yard, and I'd have like I've, a, hit, a, I've hit four deer uh, in my life yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're everywhere, everywhere, but they 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 know that they're not gonna they're not getting hunted in town, so they've all just sort of migrated downtown from off the Grand Mesa, and so there's like there's just fuck tons of deer everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's crazy. So, uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, someone's, so someone's got to shoot them and, and it's, yeah. it's going to be somebody like me. So yeah. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well yeah. Somebody's got to do it. So it might as well be me. Yeah. So like you in in your uh, your Substack you were talking about like trophies like your family had trophies. Do you are you a trophy hunter? Do you keep trophies? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Um this is like a point of contention that you can get in with like hunter ethics people. Um if anyone's familiar with uh, Steve Ranella, he's got he's um a big guy who goes on Joe Rogan's show a bunch talking about hunting and he's got his own show on Netflix called Meat Eater. Um he's one of these big proponents of he's not a big fan of trophies and keeping trophies for trophy hunting, but that's just a point of contention I have with him because it's like I understand the meme, I understand the idea of like some you know, like fat 400 pound, like Wall Street guy who's just traveling abroad to a random country and just shooting something basically from the car and barely putting in any effort to it. I, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, 
yeah, uh, I shot this thing. I'm going to keep it on my wall so I can like revere it basically for forever and be like, oh yeah, that's, that harkens back to a memory I had of, of this certain hunt, you know? And yeah, it's like a, it's a thing of respect as opposed to a thing of like, I don't know, like domination or, you know, whatever people think it is. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have any judgment. I like when, when I was growing up, we, we just didn't, you know, but like my cousin did, you know, my cousin has a, a fuck ton of like, you know, uh, heads all, all in his like, you know, front living room and stuff like that like great but like my dad was just more like uh we're we're, we're doing this for the meat you know mm -hmm. but but it was no judgment it was just like you know teach their own sort of yeah thing. it's not like we, it's not like they're mutually exclusive either you know i mean yeah. like in in most cases like whenever i'm shooting i'm gonna eat it too you know yeah so. there are there are people that will just shoot it for the trophy and like you know mm -hmm. disregard the meat i think i i do kind of think that's sort of wasteful but whatever, you know, I mean, yeah, and that, but they'll end up giving the meat to like somebody too. I mean, like the, the other thing too, is like, uh, it's nature and nothing in yeah. nature is wasted. So even if you were to literally just, you know, shoot a deer, take its head and mount it on your wall and just leave the carcass in the middle of the woods, like Something it, like it's, it. yeah, yeah, it's going to get used, you know, like, do I think it's like the best idea to be doing that? No. Um, I mean, yeah. number one, because like it's deer, uh, there it's, it tastes great. Um, and also like if you just dollar cost average, it out basically it's like uh so you paid like twenty dollars for a tag and you're you're getting like 50 pounds of meat it's like yeah that's that's pretty good roi on you know stocking your freezer full of food yeah yeah it is I, this is a total total side topic but you're talking about how like nothing goes to waste out in nature like stuff they'll eat it this is a total side topic and uh probably should put this on youtube but i dated a cop once <laughs> and um I've talked about cop chick on the, on the podcast before, but I did this cop but one time, like we got in the conversation on like how, how to get rid of a body. And she was saying that the best way is to take a body up to like the national forest and like cut it up a little bit so that there's like blood and stuff like that. So the animals can really smell it. And then uh, just let, let nature take its course up there. And they said, by the time they find that body, there's no, they cannot do forensics on it because the animals have fucked with it so much. The bacteria starts getting in there. It starts decomposing. They can't do any forensics on it. Yeah. I'd believe it. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I, I was uh, funny enough. Um, I had a stint um, when I was going to be a cop as well. And mm -hmm. so I did a lot of like research and, you know, like uh, criminology and everything like this. And it's actually really, really surprising. Like how, uh, easy it is to actually get away with murder. <laughs> it, it's, it's oh yeah, crazy. yeah. You yeah. would think just like watching cop shows and like detective shows on TV that like oh you're you're never gonna get away with it. It's like no, they're, dude, they're people get away rates, with like, it all the time. Yeah, yeah their success rate's like forty percent. It's crazy. It's yeah. below. It's like it's a failing grade. <laughs> she was telling me, uh, we're totally on a different tangent here, but she was telling me that there was um there was a murder that happened. Uh, there was a murder that happened while we were dating. And she, she came from Albuquerque. So she was a detective. She was a, a, a detective, a homicide detective in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like in gangland, you know what I mean? Mm. And so she came up here to, uh, to, to sort of live the quiet life in the, as a, in a small town police department in uh, Fruta. And, uh, so she, she came in, she walked into, uh, uh, they called in a bunch of cops because there was a murder and just the, the way that the country bumpkin police were handling the situation. She just walked, she just turned around and walked out. She's like, I don't want to be a part of this investigation at all. <laughs> she fucking walked out. She goes, there's none of this can be prosecuted because they fucked this up. They did this wrong. Like this is, you know, mm -hmm. it's, 
there's a whole like idea of like you know custody of evidence and like yeah not that was big in the, the stuff yeah and, that was big in the OJ case yeah, yeah and the, and the, the 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 country bumpkin cops were just fucking it up right there and and she had experience like in a bigger city dealing with that stuff she just turned around and walked out she's like I don't even want my name on the report like. Mm. <laughs> it's funny she's like so she's like if you ever want to murder somebody murder him in fruit of colorado because yeah. <laughs> the cops will fuck up the investigation <laughs> i was like that's funny that's super funny uh let's see here we're, we're almost at an hour here i got like two questions left so sure so do you have you used uh like a you went out you went out like dating with uh with with your your roommate or whatever was that like sort of cold approach pickup type stuff um, I guess, but like kind of, I think it would probably cross more into like social circle game just because like, okay. we didn't go to like a, a super big school. So like, we kind of recognized like the same people, you know, mm. uh, in the same, it, it was basically like four or five houses you would always go to. So, um, yeah, I, I think it would, it wasn't like true, like cold approach, like something like Troy, like, yeah, yeah, Troy, yeah. One, okay. but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like uh, Michael Sartain teaches uh, social circle game, and uh, mm -hmm. I, have a, I have a friend that I've had on the podcast that he teaches so social circle game. Um, have you ever done any like dating apps? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've done them um, uh, a fair amount of them for sure. That's definitely where a majority of my game is now, uh, at this point, you know, just okay. because like I'm not in like um, all these like crazy you know, social situations I once uh, used to be. You know, like I, I got this going on, so I'm doing like a lot of online shit, you know, my, in my free time, you know, or I, and, and I got my day job. I'm a trades guy, you know, so like I'm not in, you know, social situations too much for that. So yeah, dating apps are mostly what I'm using nowadays. So do you have your, your hunts on your dating app profile? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so do you have the dead animals on there? Like, cause, uh. It's funny, like so. I, I live out in cow pasture country, and you know, a bunch of country bumpkins, a bunch of hunters out here, and uh, that is, I mean, fish picks and picks of your fucking elk that you just killed mm. is like huge uh, for guys on dating apps out here. And I, it, I don't think it helps them. No, it doesn't either. I used to for a really long time, uh, like when I was first starting out. Like, uh, you know, my idiot brain thought to myself, oh, man, like if I do this, then the girl's going to know immediately what she's getting into. And, you know, like uh, and she's going to respect it. And it's like, no, no, it's how it works. It's the same thing with like putting like right wing politics in your like dating app profile. Don't ever do that. Uh, it's, you know, this is a numbers game, fellas. So you just need to be casting as wide a net as possible. And you do not need to be, you know, crossing off women off your list immediately because, you know, uh, a picture of you with a dead deer was off-putting to them or, you know, something about Trump like was off-putting to them or something. It's like, you, you have no reason for that. And also like, here's the other thing. And like with the politics thing, it's like, uh, they're women. You know, it's like, why are you having political discussions with women? You know, it's, it's not what they're for, you know, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just absurd. You know, you have, you have deep political conversations with men and if your girl likes you, she's going to end up voting the way you vote anyway. So like, why do you even discuss it with them? It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you could take a, a, a liberal ass girl and if you have the strong, a strong enough frame, she'll start falling into that. And yeah, vote your way. like most of them don't think about it. I mean, just like extrapolate this into like literally anything else you see, like when you're with a chick, like they can't even decide what to get for dinner. You think they really have a, like a, a deep economic philosophy that they follow or something. It's like, no, they just go with the wind, man, you know, and, <laughs> and hopefully that, hopefully that wind is you, you know, when you're, uh, um, you know, get in their orbit enough. But yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. You know, like I've had chicks are like vehemently anti-gun and I carry a gun with me literally everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just part of the process. So, um, 
you know, sometimes they get a little woozy about it, but like right away, you know, they're just like, oh, okay, I actually feel really safe. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, this is just literally what I do. Um, and you know, if you just if you just own your shit, um, you'll get so much further in this game as opposed to trying to appease like everybody at every step of the way. You know, it's like, oh, if I if I really, you know, like uh, listen to what she says, and if I really, you know, do it this certain way that she wants, it's like, dude, they they fucking change their minds every five seconds. You know, yeah. it's like that's ridiculous. Just do what you want to do, and if the chick can stay along, come along for the ride, that's great. If not, there's always another one. Yeah, you uh, you ever watch the TV show Yellowstone? I have not. No, um, oh. I, I get so many people that keep recommending uh, yeah. this stuff to me, but like, I don't know. I I don't really watch too much TV, you know, because I'm like, I'm I'm always like doing other things. And the thing is, too, is like when I get in like series shows, I have to watch it like with other people, like for a long time, ah, and really okay. get roped in. But it's just like I I I haven't found the time yet. I mean, maybe I'll watch it, but again, like. I'm just so displeased. This is something uh, Jack Napier and I, we run a, a nerd podcast like every other week and it switches back between our channels. And one of the things we talk about there all the time is like just how much our modern media just really sucks. You it's know, super so it's, woke, right? Yeah. 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 And it's just hard to get like get invested in literally anything because like, yeah. oh, okay. All right. Uh, next season, when are they going to inject like the gay character? When are they going to tell right. me like white men are evil or something stupid? You know, so it's like, okay, why am I even bothering? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I 100% agree. It's super hard for me to get in, invested in any show nowadays because of like they're, they always got to slip some kind of wokeness in it. Um, I will say though that Yellowstone does a very good job of not doing that. And in fact, they what they will do is they will slip the wokeness in, but the wokeness shit is the are they're the bad guys, mm. because uh, the whole idea is that it's in Montana, and it's ranch country. It's very it's very a right wing sort of you know country show, and uh, and and the, the the people that are the bad guys are the the liberals that want to come in and try to change that area. Right. Hmm. So, so it's, it's really good from that standpoint, but, uh, and it, it's a self fiction too, by the way, but, right, right. um, but, I, but it's got a good storyline. One of the things that's happened over the last two seasons, uh, not to give too many spoilers away, but there's this like environmentalist chick that comes in and she's <laughs> protesting whatever. And, um, uh, John Dutton, the, the main character, uh, uh, which is, um, uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner's character, mm. he, he comes in and he's just got this strong fucking masculine, you know, he's a strong masculine cowboy character and he's just got such strong frame that this chick is slowly coming around to his side. You know what I mean? Like nice. so she's, she's like a total vegan. Like I, I know by the end of this next season, she's going to be eating steak and shit. Like <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Another, another win for the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Man, this is a this has been a fun conversation. Where where can people find you online? Yeah, so you guys can uh, follow me uh, on Twitter uh, at Red Pilled Hawk, uh, the YouTube channel, which is also uh, at Red Pilled Hawk. As I mentioned, the main show is on Thursdays, uh, Man's Hour. So check that out. Um, and then for my writing on Substack, my my own su personal Substack for most of the hunting stuff is called Son of Orion. And then uh, the company I was mentioning earlier, the Old Glory Club, is the other one. So you can find a bunch of my writings over there as well. Um, and I, I, I put a post out for them recently and got like 5,000, uh, views. It was pretty well received. Um, and it was just basically about like the, the beauty of America's national park system and things like that. So, uh, check that out, but thanks for having me on Paul. This was tons of fun, man. Yeah, man. You're welcome back anytime. So the old glory club, is that, that's Substack? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's Substack and their YouTube as well, but yeah, okay. same name. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to all this stuff in the description. All right, man. I'll give you, uh, give you your evening back. Thanks for joining me today. 
Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hawk, thank you for joining me, man. You're welcome back anytime. Fun conversation. All these these interviews, uh, when they're with anonymous people, they're always kind of, uh, you know, they're fun to do. They're fine. But like when it comes to like promoting this stuff and and like cutting TikToks and stuff like that, it's always interesting. And next week, I got to do the same thing because next week I have uh, Mish Chad of Arabia on and he's the same way. You know, he doesn't show his face online. It's just an avatar I'm talking to. So we got we got two anonymous dudes <laughs> back to back this week. But but both guys are really cool guys. If if, if you guys um if you guys follow like Ryan Stone at all or or you know the you know man, like just probably anybody in the space, you know. Um Rob says, for instance, right? Rob says, uh, these guys like we all follow each other. We all follow each other, we all know each other, so uh, you've probably heard of them before, uh, but if not, they're good guys to know. Good guys to know. Definitely give them a follow. Links to uh, Hawk's uh, Twitter account and stuff like that are in the description, so check that out. Other than that, that's pretty much all I have this week, man. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you're watching the replay, drop a comment below. Any comment will do. Your favorite emoji, eggplant, I don't care. <laughs> if you guys are, are are listening on your audio platforms, give us a five-star review right out why you like the show. Follow me on social media. The links are in the description for that. Get on the Patreon, patreon.com slash come on man pod. You can join for as little as $10. You get on the beer credits of Monday's episode. So I will be showing the beer credits shortly after this. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you some free stickers. And if you like these designs, they're available on mugs and t-shirts and hoodies and stuff at merch.comeonmanpod.com. Check that out. And then other than that, check out my practical law of attraction course today, loa.comeonmanpod.com. That's loa.comeonmanpod.com. Get your mind right and everything else in your life fall into place that's all i got guys i guess we'll see you guys on wednesday for uh my live at 10 a.m eastern we'll see you then this has been the come on man podcast new full episodes served hot every monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice so subscribe now follow paul on social media the links are in the description now Go out and get it.